Hello, everyone. During this episode of MFG Monkey, we are in our brand new studio. However, I made the massive mistake of also scheduling some construction work to be done in our facility in the morning. We recorded this during the evening, and I thought that they would be done. However, I was wrong. So during this episode, you're going to hear saws running and machinery running and all that fun stuff. Please bear with us through the audio. AJ was awesome through everything. We took a little break, trying to make the audio a little bit better. But as you will tell, we had a little difficulty. Hope you enjoyed anyways. This is the MFG Monkey Podcast. We sit down with leaders and innovators in the industry to talk about manufacturing, business, and the stories behind their successes. I'm your host, Dust McMillan, owner and founder of McMillan Co. We are joined today by AJ Orr. AJ joins us with some news from uh, Bunker Labs, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. But AJ, your day job is CEO of Simple Plan IT. So tell us a little bit more about that. Absolutely. Uh, Dustin, I appreciate you having me on. So Simple Plan IT is a digital risk management firm. Uh, so we specialize in helping businesses protect their digital assets. So you're talking about their financials, their intellectual property, their client data, their identities, their employees' identities, all the stuff that hackers and criminals are really after. Uh, we help protect those things because people hear cybersecurity and they automatically think, oh, it's an IT function. I've got an IT guy that handles all that. Right. And the truth of the matter is, is that criminals aren't after your computers, they're after your digital assets. They just use computers to get to them. And so uh, cybersecurity, you know, lends itself to technology. But when you look at digital risk management, it's your technology as well as your people, policies, procedures, and the culture of your business uh, from a security standpoint. And we help to address both of those things. Right. And just full disclosure, we're having some concrete work going on out in the the shop, and I... For the wildest dreams, I never thought that our microphones would be able to pick it up in our new studio. But it adds to the audience. It is. <laughs> so it, it is what it is. You're going to hear a little bit of background noise. And hopefully Darren will be able to, to cut some of that out. But it, it is what it is. Today, hey, it's because so. we're manufacturing, man. That's why it's legit. Right. It's real stuff. Right. Well, I think what you do interests me even more, you know, as we grow and we move more money around. We are, we see people trying to hack us almost on a daily basis. Recently, you know we, why, right? I have no. It pisses me off. That's the only thing I do know. Manufacturing. <laughs> so here, here, here's a little tidbit for all of you guys out there. The reason why manufacturing is the number two targeted industry is because it, think of all the intellectual property that you guys have in your possession. Sure. Because you're manufacturing products and creating things that go into something else. All of that intellectual property, super valuable on the dark market. Right. Well, and so the, that's why. And what they're getting from us is it blows my mind because they will res, they will send us a copy of our purchase order or they will send us a copy of an invoice that we've been emailed. So somehow they are getting our invoices or purchase orders. And then obviously, I think the most recent one is, is they... Um, sent us, sent our customers a, um, what did they send? It was a remit to, 
a new remit too. Mm. So they sent out a new remit too out to everyone with some bank in like Venezuela or some something. Some wire transfer. Yeah. So, it was, but I was just I was really blown away that they could actually have like physical documents from us. Well, creating and manufacturing those is super easy once you know what the what the format is, and so it's just a matter of somebody's email got compromised is what I'm going to assume because that's the way that they were able to one, get your client list to send them out stuff. But then two, to have an idea of what your documents look like so that they can replicate it. And and that's the other aspect. You know, when you think about manufacturring, I mean, you guys deal with large purchase orders. And so for them, you know, even if you're a small manufacturer, I I venture to say that writing a $50,000, $75,000 purchase order is, is, pretty common practice and so you know that's a nice little hit a chunk of change if i'm able to compromise and get you to wire that transfer uh just over to my bank without having any foresight to think about it yeah well tell us how you you got started in this i mean you didn't just wake up one day and you're like you know what this is this is pretty badass i'm gonna do this it's a very or maybe you did i i I, I wish (laughs) i was that cool i really do (laughs) Um, I had zero intentions or desires to actually start a business. It really happened by by happenstance. Uh, I, I tell people the entrepreneurship bug or being a business owner really fell on me. I didn't go out looking for it. Um, I was working for an IT company uh, back in 2012. And being a military guy and, and somebody that, that tries to carry themselves with a high level of integrity, I would come across opportunities where the solution that I represented at that point in time, it wasn't the best fit for the client. And so I would tell the client, hey, look, we could do this. It's not going to be pretty, but these guys over here, they specialize in doing what it is that you need. Go talk to so-and-so over there. He'll take good care of you and he'll get you what you need. If you want to pay me, just give me a referral and that's all I I ask for. Well, I did that. And then a couple of times people came back and said, hey, do you mind sitting in on these meetings to make sure that we're getting what we need? Because we don't understand a damn thing they're saying. Right. And so I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. I sit in on these meetings, you know, 45, 45 minutes, maybe an hour and a half. And then one time I do this and a gentleman by the name of John, after the meeting, he gives me an envelope. And I was like, John, I was like, you don't need to give me anything. He's like, hey, your time is worth something. Take it. Right. So he wouldn't let me leave without. I get in the car, open it up. It's a check for 500 bucks. I'm like, holy shit, I just made 500 bucks for 45 minutes. All I did was I was a translator. <laughs> I was like, I really didn't do shit. And so I, was right. like, I was like, all right, well, next time somebody asks me, I'll see if they're willing to pay for my time. Right. And sure enough, they were. And and once again, I told you I wasn't trying to go into business. Right. Uh, when they said, sure, what's your rate? I was like, 100 bucks. Not even thinking that somebody had already given me 500. I should have, I should have started there. Right. <laughs> You don't know what you don't know, but right. uh, that's literally how it started, was, awesome. was doing that and trying to fill the gap to make sure that business leaders were were investing every dollar that they had wisely and weren't buying technology solutions that either A, didn't solve all their problems, mm-hmm. or B, you know they were oversold on the solution and they only used 20% of actually what it can actually do. So, sure. Uh, that's how we started the company. Um, fast forward a few years, I, I break off into cybersecurity. We built a security operations center, and uh, now we focus on protecting businesses, uh, state and nationwide, to, from cyber attacks and things that go boom in the night. And you have been, how long, I'm trying to look on your LinkedIn right now sure. because I'm that unprepared. Eight years. That's, yeah. that's awesome. So eight years ago, yeah. this all happened and... It's been a wild ride, to yeah. say the least. 
the management of people is the, the biggest challenge that I have within the business itself that um, is, is a challenge because it's not my core competency of skill sets. It's yeah. not my what I call my my area of genius. My area of genius is in problem solving and yeah. uh, looking at big pictures and understanding how all the pieces work together and making it all work and, uh, you know, being the maestro. But if you want me to get down there and, you know, play the drums, yeah, get a little dicey. Yeah, and it, and it is interesting just leading or talking to people and and – you know, it, but it is fun to see others succeed. And I 100%. think that's the most enjoyable part about my last few years is just, okay, I have this idea in my head. Let's see if we can make it work out of necessity. <clears throat> and then, um, you know, seeing it work and then seeing other people that you bring along with you and succeed and create things. Then it's like, okay, this is really what it's about, at least for me. 100%. Is it's not so much, I mean, we manufacture widgets and we help people solve problems and all that stuff is fun. It's tangible to me. You know, we can we can put something together and go out and, you know, into the shop and see it done. You know, with Q-Grip, getting the machine up and running, it's tangible. Um, but what is really fun, like seeing Connor's face, you know, when the machine was delivered, that was fun for me. Because he literally found the damn thing. And I'm like, well, if you think it's going to work, then I, I have to have trust in that. And that's what was really, a, really cool. That's a huge piece, though, what you said right there. And I think that a lot of business leaders tend to sometimes skip over that. And it's instilling trust and confidence within your people yeah. to, to say, hey, look, I trust your judgment. You go and do it and execute and just... You know, yeah. don't worry if you mess up. We'll clean it. We'll, yeah. we'll clean it up. But yeah. I want you to constantly push the envelope. Go yeah. out there. Make mistakes because that's the only way that we'll yeah. continue to grow. Yeah, I didn't even go look at the machine. Nice. I didn't. I, they went out there. They learned it. We I'm were in Baltimore. Yeah. You know, and you're way more advanced than I am. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wasn't going to add any value, right? Like we, they were going out there to to look at this machine. I had, I was adding zero value. You know. But you're stroking the check, man. You are far advanced. You are far more advanced than I am. Yes, that was my only value. <laughs> I take my hands off on a lot of things, but there's some. Yeah, <laughs> there's some points where I'm gonna step in. No, it's it, you know if that's the value that I that I add, then then great. But um, as far as turning the thing on or troubleshooting why it does not work or why it does work, that's not me. Right. And it was Connor. You take full ownership of this and you run with it and and it worked that's cool stuff so. man yeah you're right being able to see people grow and excel in areas where they themselves might not have thought that they could mm -hmm. actually do it is super super cool yeah absolutely and then you know one of the things that you came in to talk about is bunker labs and that is to me just jumping on for the quick you know i i was grossly late yesterday for <clears throat> what you guys were we're talking about yesterday and you were with tell us who you're with or via zoom obviously but. right so uh we were sitting down with the secretary of state for ohio okay uh frank larose who is also a military veteran and green beret um and the the topic of the conversation was really around how can we help veteran business owners in the state of ohio right um i believe you know, there, there, there's a bunch of things that I believe in, and manufacturing is one. I believe that manufacturing, the, the, the whole supply chain, 
um, is the bedrock of the country. Um, in addition to sales, I think those two industries, logistics, manufacturing, logistics and sales make the country go around because if you can't do one of those two things and you've got nothing, right? You know, if you can manufacture a great product, but you don't have anybody that can sell it, then it's a, it's a wasted product, right. uh, regardless of what its potential is. It's just sitting there. Um, and vice versa, if I can sell it, but I can't make it, then I've got a lost opportunity. So I believe that those two, two things are the bedrocks of our country, um, and, and business. But in addition to that, I, I believe that veterans have the ability to, in the current state that we're in right now, um, I believe that veterans are uniquely equipped to meet the challenges that we face. And here's why I say that. Um, it, the military, and, and I don't care what branch you were in, you were, you were taught and in, in a certain set of skills were ingrained within you, which was we are mission-focused, we're task-oriented, and we don't self-promote, which sometimes can be a detriment to us when you're talking about being a business owner. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's all about, you know, what problem can I solve? It doesn't matter what challenges you throw at me. If this is the mission, then I will do whatever it takes to get the mission done. Mm-hmm. So we're creative thinkers. Um, and, and I think we're uniquely gifted or uniquely equipped to to address some of the challenges that I think the current economy and state uh, that we're currently in. And so yeah. I'm super excited about helping uh, veteran business owners or veterans that are interested in starting a business. Yeah. Um, that's why I got involved with Bunker Labs. Yeah. So Bunker Labs is a nonprofit nationwide um, headquartered out of Chicago. But their core mission is to take veteran and veteran spouses who want to be business owners to take them through all the way from the very beginning of I've got an idea. So mm-hmm. take you from ideation to product launched from product launch to business growth, from business growth to business scale. Right. And they've got different programs that they can plug you into. And so that was, to me, it was like a, the perfect marriage of two things that I'm passionate about, which is business and supporting veterans. And yeah. so it, it was huge for me. And so yesterday's event was kind of the bringing together in Ohio uh, to where we can start to really build a veteran ecosystem in the state of Ohio. So is Bunker Labs obviously is not new. Correct. But it's new to Columbus. Correct? No, it's not even new to Columbus. Okay. We're just, we're, we're going through kind of a rebrand, a, a relaunch, so 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 to okay. speak. Uh, I'm not even going to say a rebrand. We're just really kind of, COVID knocked the wind out of everybody. Right. You know, right. so so 2020 came. Uh, we just went under new leadership because we got a new CEO. So, you know, we're trying to implement some changes there and, the, and you know, the mission and everything else like that. And then, boom, everything gets shut down. Right. And so it was like, okay, we're, we're really trying to figure out where our bearings, where do we fit in? How does this all work? Um, and... I had been talking with the Secretary of State's office last year trying to get this thing put together. Oh, so wow. so what happened yesterday was probably 12 to 18 months in the, in the making, and we actually put it together and we're able to bring it out. Um, the state, what they're after is, you know, Ohio has done something new, or at least new to Ohio, and I don't know if there's any other states that are doing it, but anytime that you file and register a business, now you have the option to self-identify as a veteran-owned business. Mm-hmm. Um, veteran-owned, minority-owned, all, all the other identifiers. Um, it, it's optional because they can't make you tell what it is. But if you if you self-report and say, hey, I'm a veteran, mm-hmm. what they want to do is be able to provide you with all of the resources that are pertinent to you being a veteran business owner. And one of them would be, hey, do you, are you aware of these guys at Bunker Labs? 
Um, are you aware of all these other programs that will that are in place to help you be mm-hmm. successful with growing a, and launching a business? And so we've been looking and, and working on that. And so that's what we're working on with the state. On my side, when it comes to Bunker Labs, my big pie in the sky ambition is I believe that we can cultivate and create a list of veteran owned businesses. And if we put that list together, that we cover every vertical market mm-hmm. in, that some business or somebody that's actually going to going to come across. Sure. And so if you want to support veterans, then you should be able to come to this list and say, okay, I need a plumber. Boom. I can go here, check plumbers. Wow. These are all these veteran plumbers that are in my area. Mm-hmm. Now I can go and support them. And so right. that's my big pie in the sky. What I would, what I'm trying to build and what I would like to be able to build through bunker labs. Yeah. It's almost like an Angie's list for veterans. hundred percent. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. And, and before you and I met, I had never heard of Bunker Labs. And then I, you know, just looking into it, it's like, this is nationwide already. Yeah. Um, are you guys involved with uh, Wounded Warriors Project? Like- so we don't do stuff hand in hand. Okay. And, you know, I, I don't know where the, the breakdown is. I mean, there's mm-hmm. so many veteran service organizations out there uh, across the state. And it's like, we don't do a good job of all coming together. It's like, sure. oh, you do this and I do this and uh, let me do my thing over here. It's like, right. dude, if we just all got together and really attack this problem as a unit, we could accomplish so much more, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And it's, you know, if all of those groups do get together, and I know that um, Q Grip is running a project with uh, Wounded Warrior uh, program or project. I project was project in Canada. I didn't even know there's a Wounded Warriors of Canada. I didn't either. Yeah, but there's apparently there's a huge war, Wounded Warriors in Canada, but they're doing it here uh, locally too. And we've talked to the CEO and to get this whole program launched. So it'd be interesting to get them involved in Bunker Labs as well. Absolutely. Because even for us, you know, one of the big pushes as we hire. It's like, you know, we're patriotic, I mean, as, as it gets. And it's like, let's hire more, you know, veteran. I don't care if they're wounded, if they're not wounded, or right. you know, whatever it is. But if we can get if we can get uh, even a, a wounded vet in here and we need to give them special whatever to be able to do their job. But they, you know, if they're wheelchair-driven, but they can sit there and they can do their job, then who the hell cares? Mm-hmm. Let's set it up so they're successful in doing what they're doing and they can go along with it, uh, you know? I like that a lot. Um, and, and it's interesting. I was, on, I was having a call earlier today with uh, uh, a manufacturer, veteran manufacturer, um, and, you know, what he was talking about was, you know, his propensity and really wanting to hire veterans because mm-hmm. of the work ethic and this, that, and the other. Um, and, you know, it was interesting, not to segue too much off of where you were at, but you know, when when he and I were talking, I was asking him like, hey, you know, as I look at manufacturing, um, one of the gaps that I see as, in manufacturing as a whole is just technology. I, th- I, I see oh, technology yeah. as, a, as a big blind spot. And so I was asking him, I was like, hey, look, I was like, I was like, here's my here's my thesis. And, and, and I'll share it with you guys. You know, my thesis has always been that that manufacturers have a cybersecurity problem. They just don't realize it. And he was like, well, why do you say that? I was like, well, look. 
I was like, when you look at the whole landscape of things, I was like, there's more competition now than there ever has been before. I was mm-hmm. like, and it's not just competition down the road or even in the neighboring state. It's nationwide and global competition. I was like, you know, so now you're there. There's more market uh, that or more people in the market, more competition, which means that, uh, you know, you're all fighting for the same type of resources as far as talent pool and everything else like mm-hmm. that to get things done. And let's face it, manufacturing isn't the sexy, appealing job that it used to be. So now you're paying more to get people in because the talent pool is shorter and there's more competition. So you're paying more, which is causing you to take a hit on your bottom line. So you're making a little bit less, your margins are a little bit thinner. And the only way that you can actually compete with that is if you introduce more technology, more robotics, automation, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you do that, then you have a major cybersecurity problem. So that's my my, right. my six degrees of separation. That's right. how I get there. Sure. And I paint that picture. And he's like, you know what? He's like, I hear that. He's like, but one of the things that you, you miss in that assessment is that he's like, if I implement more technology, he's like, then I'm, I'm losing more jobs. He's like, and I want to create jobs, not take them away. I was like, you know what? I was like, that's a very interesting perspective that I hadn't thought of or hadn't really looked at because I've always questioned why aren't manufacturers implementing more technology to make them more efficient? Uh, You could do way more with the technology that we have today. Mm -hmm. And whenever I would talk to other business owners, they would say, well, there's two things that are holding us back from this automation and all the new technology. One, we can't afford the downtime. You know, so to implement and put in this new line and it's really going to disrupt everything, we can't afford the downtime. And then two, we don't have the staff on hand that has the skill set to run these new machines and this new these new yeah. systems. And I was like, OK, I was like, so as I look at, you know, problem solver, uh, that's the way that I kind of look at and address things. It's like, all right, so let's go me. Let me go and talk to the, the robotics manufacturers and these automation guys and say, hey, look, you're creating these solutions to go into the manufacturer's workflow. Mm-hmm. How are you overcoming this? You know, and at the same time, what are you doing to address security once you put these things in? Sure. And so me trying to see if I can find a way to bridge that gap. Um, and so that's one of the processes in which, you know, I'm currently one of my initiatives I'm currently working in. But I was I was very intrigued by his response this afternoon of you know, I want to be a job creator, not a job destroyer. He's like, yeah, I could put those things in. He's like, it cost me a million dollars to put this new piece of equipment in. Or, and he's like, and then I could, you know, run that with three people. He's like, or I could put this machine in that's, you know, half the price, but it creates eight jobs. He's like, and whenever I factor out the eight jobs and everything else like that, the ROI on it, or the break-even point is, you know, X amount of years down the road. He's like, so I would rather employ people whenever the delta on that uh, in mm-hmm. comparison is is so far out. He's like, it makes more sense to me. I was like, I respect that. I, yeah. I, I completely respect that. And so it, it's very interesting just the different dynamics. And, and once again, there's just so many different ways that you can skin a cat when it oh, comes sure. to to how we get the job done. It's just a matter of what makes the most sense for you, which is yeah. ultimately fun. No, and then, and I com- completely agree with that. And I think some other manufacturers are looking at it a little differently because they are having trouble in the talent pool, right? So we, we have a, a partner that we're working with right now. They just bought a new laser. They bought a new powder line. They bought tons of these new things. And he's like, I can't find people to run the things. So, you know, we need, we need new people, younger people that understand the programming and how to 
how to get the jobs to the machine, but then he's like, we also need people that understand how to bend and weld and put pin nuts in and, and all those things. So well, yeah, because you got to have a human eye that's going to do the quality control. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't you can't automate no. automate that too easily. And we are talking about so probably one of my first podcasts we had uh, Matt Goosey on from MRS Machine. And he's done an amazing job in Augusta, Wisconsin. You know, the population is very, very low, and I can never remember what it is. But they start recruiting in elementary school, just getting people interested in manufacturing. And I was talking to Bill, you know, and Bill's back in my hometown in, in Pickle, Ohio, and we're in a similar place where, you know, the city isn't doing much to generate new talent. Um, so I was talking to, to Bill and I'm like, as business owners, we're going to have to do that. And one of my best friends, uh, teaches out of JBS in Springfield and has like a manufacturing program where they, they teach 3d modeling, they teach programming, they teach, you know, how to cut, how to bend, how to weld. Um, so more of a hands-on engineering program where I think we're going to pull Eric in, we're going to sit down with, you know, the Pickwood JBS and and try and create some sort of a program with Matt Goosey's help because he's done Dutch he's done such a great job, but yeah I mean it is it is it is important to add jobs but the the technology piece is equally as important where you know we're we're doing doing some jobs where it will be a hundred or two hundred part numbers in a package oh, wow. where we have 24 hours to quote it the day the day of you sitting down printing off all the you know all the drawings and plugging into a spreadsheet and going out to get a quote for material those days are gone they're gone they're and, and people are not going to win business unless they can quote immediately and there are programs out there that are cloud-based, so it adds another level of security where they right. are ITAR compliant and things like that. But it's getting these shops to uh, to adopt these things. And we've really, in the last probably two months, have just went to some of our partners and we're like, you have to adopt this. You have to. They're like, well, we don't, you know, we don't think we need it. And I'm like, you can't return a quote in 24 to 48 hours. I don't care how many pieces it is. And if we want to win the business together, you have to do it in 24 to 48 hours. Well, that's unrealistic. I'm like, it's not unrealistic, though. It's unrealistic with the systems that you have. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then to have all the security in place where we can communicate, um, that's the interesting part to me is that we are, you know, we are adding a level of urgency to the industry where manufacturers typically have just said, hey, we have a seven-week lead time. We don't care if you need it in three. It is what it is. And the consumer is like, Took it. okay, yeah. well, we're, we're past that yeah. because people are trying to figure it out. And we've been able to figure it out with us being involved, and we take a week out of it because we need a week to do what we need to do. And now we have been able to communicate to everyone, including our customer, that, oh, this is possible. We're, we are removing a week out of the, the lead time that they need, and it's not easy, but once we do this enough, the systems will be there, and it will become easy. And that's the key thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's inter- interesting hearing you talk because uh, when I look in my world, the cybersecurity world, you know, it's one of the things I tell people all the time. Uh, when it comes to minimizing damage and, and reducing risk, the name of the game is speed. Yeah. You know, the faster I can detect that something has gone wrong and I can detect it and respond to it, the, the yeah. more I can minimize the damage. Yeah. Um, it, and, and so it, it's interesting to see manufacturing. It's like, you're like, yeah, manufacturing, it's all about speed. You have to be yeah. able to be faster and to be able to turn these things around quicker, uh, which puts even a bigger dependency on technology now. Yeah. And, and it, you're absolutely right. And we had a customer tell me, it's probably been four years ago, we were we were there. I put a ton of pressure on everyone and we got there and we bit it and we got the PO almost immediately. And I'm like, see, speed helped. And speed he looked down. at me, he's like, first dog to the water bowl eats. And and I don't I that stuck with me. I'm like, Well, how do we become first to the to the water bowl or to the full food bowl food bowl more often? you have to make that repeatable you can't just get lucky and you're like oh we're lucky we got here once like let's make this repeatable how do we make it repeatable so we can do every time and we don't mess up and we make money and i think the fear a lot of times is that you'll rush through it and you miss something and then you're like oh god we lost 20 grand instead of making 50 you know if there's that big of a swing and then everyone's afraid of it right so you have to be successful out of the gate for people to appreciate it and then that builds the confidence in your in your customer and you know we had that issue that we talked about earlier and i'm like we this has to be fixed today like if somebody is sending emails from our server right this has to be fixed today that's a big problem and they're like well we're researching it i'm like research is over right now right it's time to fix it now stop the bleeding now <laughs> right go and go and do the yeah. forensics later yeah. yeah and it's not like you know the the one email that we had we we've had everyone seen the emails that it would be like mcmillan co llc 2.com where it's not even our you know url but it's right. close enough that if you're in a hurry you just miss it well and that's the problem when it comes to cybersecurity. and this is why i tell people it's like look you know, I, I get people ask me all the time, you know, who's your biggest competitor? I'm like, my biggest competitor is the status quo, you know, because people right. think I've got an IT guy, I've got an IT shop, we're good. Or my, my favorite, we're too small to be a target. And so therefore I don't really need to worry about this stuff. And yeah. it's like, one, nobody's too small to be a target. And well, I take it back. Yes, you're right, because you're not being targeted. Most cyber crimes are crimes of opportunity. You know, it's just like if you ask a police officer about car break-ins, most car break-ins are because you left your door unlocked, not because, or you right. left something valuable on the seat and they right. smashed and grabbed. Right. But most of them, you left your door unlocked and then somebody went in. Yeah. It's the same thing when it comes to cyber attacks. The problem is, is that we try to approach cybersecurity the same way that we do uh, approach protecting a building. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna lock my doors. I'm gonna put sensors on the windows. This, that, and the other. The problem with that with that approach is, is that in a building, your entry points don't change overnight. In the digital world, I didn't have a window in this wall yesterday, but I've got five of them on that wall right. now. And it's right. like, how did they get there? Well, if you didn't know that these holes now were, were created or now found, now you've got a vulnerability point that you don't have protection for. And so, once again, if you can't see it constantly looking at it, then you've got vulnerability points and weak points. Yeah. Um, and, and so the status quo is one of our biggest competitions of people just thinking that, you know, we've got everything taken care of and everything is all under control. And, you know, with that mindset, you will quickly be left behind. Yeah, that's it's true. 
What is, what is the most glaring thing for people to look for that they do have a problem? Um, password policies are a really big issue. Um, people using weak passwords. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at what people are doing, um, most businesses will have a firewall in place, which is fun. I mean, you should be doing the basics. You have a firewall, make sure you have antivirus. Um, but the use of weak passwords or sharing passwords, because there's a lot mm-hmm. of that where, um, you know, we've gone into organizations where five people had the same password. Oh, wow. And then on top of that, these people use <clears throat> use their work credentials in other places. So they've used their work email and that same password because we're creatures of habit. They use that same login and password to go and sign up for an Amazon account or something like that. And then their systems get compromised. Well, now that email and password is part of a, a black, uh, a database on a black on, uh, on the dark web. And then they lo and behold, go and shop it and it gets them right on in. They're like, great. I mean, those are that's how attacks happen. So, what it, what is your opinion of password managers? Like Google has a password manager. Mm-hmm. Are you a, f- a fan of those? Would you advise not to use those? Period. I, or I like password managers. Um, you know, I I do not use the Google one. Um, we use personally. I use LastPass. Um, okay. Big fan of that one. Dashlane's another good one. Uh, what I like about the password managers is one. I, let me, I can speak to LastPass because I'm in it, so I don't want to speak for all the others because uh, I don't have intimate knowledge. With LastPass, if you forget your main password, you are SOL because they don't even have your passwords and they can't reset it. It's part of the security features of mm-hmm. it. Um, and so, you know, it gives you, the system gives you the ability to create super complex passwords for all of your logins that you don't have to remember and things mm-hmm. of that nature. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the for especially if you're somebody like me that has you know a hundred different logins that you have to remember there's no way i can create super complex passwords and that's the reason why it happens that people just use things that are easy for them to remember yeah but there's also tips and and tricks that you can create to uh, that you can use to create complex passwords Mm -hmm. you know use past phrases instead of passwords here's some free advice for you guys you know so if you're if you're You've got passwords. Uh, there's there's two methods that, that I use or that I, I, I teach people on. One is the seed phrase method. So you create a seed phrase like, um, I ride my bike too. And then after the two, you put where you're creating the password for. So I ride my bike to Yahoo. I ride my bike to Twitter. I ride my bike to Facebook. Wherever you're creating that password for, that goes after the two. So you've got your seed phrase and then where you're making it for. Uh, so now you've got unique passwords, easy enough for you to remember because mm-hmm. you use the same seed phrase and just changes for, for each location. Mm. The key with that one is just making sure that nobody understands or figures out what your seed phrase is because <laughs> right. then they're screwed. Right. Um, so that's one way that you can do it and, and create passwords that are easy to remember. Uh, the, the second is the substitution method that I use, which is uh, you'll, once again, use another phrase. Uh, I like to eat chili in the winter. So that's a great long password. Another key when it comes to passwords and passphrases, the longer the better. It used to be the more complex, the better. Now it's the longer. Um, I think the last time I looked at a study, a password that was 18 characters or longer was virtually unhackable. Um, You couldn't break it. So it'd take like thousands of thousands of years before a computer could actually break it. So 
so length is, is your key. Use phrases. Um, most passwords now allow you to use spaces in your phrases, so it doesn't really? have to be jumbled mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. So now you can put put spaces in there, um, and then just you know just try to mix it up. But those are those are two methods that I use to to create complex passwords. But to answer your question, yes, I'm a fan of password managers. Okay, because I I'm a big fan of it too. Because I would never. I'm like you. I have. There's too many. Yeah, it's it's silly, and then I try to log into something on my phone without it, and it's <laughs> I, I'm lost. Yeah. And then I get really upset when I can't remote, and I have to reset everything. So it's. Everything is just a mess. But oh, and that's another thing that I would say uh, to turn on if you have the ability in any applications you're using, two-factor authentication or okay. multi-factor authentication. It's another security measure that you can use yeah. to help with to combat weak passwords. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if I was to log in on your computer into my any of my accounts, it's going to send a message to my phone saying, "Please validate with this six-digit code that you are who you say sure. you are." Um, and so that's another way that you can overcome the use of weak passwords in your environment. Got it. Well, let's jump back to uh, Bunker Labs again. So you guys mm. just had had the meeting with uh, Frank LaRosa yep. yesterday. Um, if somebody wants to get in touch with Bunker Labs, obviously you're all over LinkedIn. But what's the, what's the easiest way? For people to be involved in Bunker Labs? Um, so you can go to... Uh, bunkeronline.org okay uh and just go through the website there and find some stuff um but if you're if you're in ohio i would say reach out to me directly um ajay dot o-r-r at bunkerlabs.org o-r-g and we'll put that in the description when we launch this so if you didn't catch that just go to the description and we'll have AJ's email. Yeah, email me directly if you're if you're in Ohio. Email me directly, um, okay. because we're we're building a. I'm I'm building an ecosystem. I'm I'm committed to it. And so, if you're a veteran, <clears throat> a veteran business owner, or interested in helping to support, reach out because uh, I'm trying to do big things over the next two years in regards to that. So, being we do have listeners all over the U.S. So, if, if somebody's in California, there's is there a bunker lab all over? So all over California or just all over? Okay. So from coast to coast, whatever city, there's probably one. Yeah, one I think close. we're up to 40 chapters now okay. uh, across the country. So if they go to bunkerlabs.org, there's probably a yep a place on here to find an it event it, or it'll it'll connect. have you can actually punch in. A, I believe you can punch in your zip code and it'll, it'll show, show okay. you what chapter is the closest to you. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I'm. I can't wait to be more involved just because I think it's such a cool cool program and. And to see people succeed. How many, how many people did you have on your webinar yesterday? It wasn't really a webinar, but it was like a meeting yeah, that everyone was, could watch. It was, it was a big session that everybody could watch in. And so we, we had a little over 200 people into that thing. Which That's is, crazy. You know, whenever I was planning this thing and I was talking to people in the back, and I was like, look, I was like, if I can get 50 to 100 people in here, I was like, then that's a good day for me. Yeah. I was like, I'll be happy with this event. Yeah. Um, to get over 200 just blew my mind. Yeah. And it seemed like people, like I said earlier, I jumped in at the very tail end, but it, people were very interactive as well. I mean, so many times you get those things yeah. and everyone's like, no video, no no sound, and it's just crickets. So, and, and so... Yesterday's event was really a precursor event, mm-hmm. which was to 
lay out what the Secretary of State's office is wanting to do to how they're going to try to, to support veteran business owners in the state of Ohio. Um, at the end, and I think, I don't know if you, if you were on whenever we were talking through it, but there's going to be another event on February 24th. Okay. Now this will be a smaller group. And so we're asking people to pre-register and submit some questions, but what you'll be able to do is we're going to have a session and secretary LaRose will be there as well, but you'll be able to talk directly with him and have correspondence back and forth. And the, the purpose of this meeting is to give your story. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, I started my business. These are the things that I struggled with. This is how I overcame it. If you had this in place, then that would help a future veteran business owner who's launching not have to go through these same struggles. Right. Or he also wants you to share your success stories. Hey, I started a business. This is all the stuff that you guys did that was great. Um, and I was able to do X, Y, Z because of all this access, whatever. He's like, he wants to hear it all yeah. so that they can put together the resources that are actually going to move the needle. Because, you know, so many times people will put together a resource program product or, or service. And it's like, oh, yeah, that was nice in theory, but it really didn't help move the needle. Like it, it really didn't help right. me at all. But thanks for thanks for trying. Right. He doesn't want to be one of those. His thing is. I want, he's like, I've never run a business. I've never owned a business. So I don't know what business owners really need. I don't know what your direct challenges are, but I have a platform that if you tell me what your problems are, I can try to help you find solutions to them to make right. your life easier. And that is what really got me excited with working with him. Yeah. in in the different stages, because the needs of somebody that are just have an idea and they haven't even registered, they don't even have an EIN. They don't, they don't have anything. Right that person's needs are way different than somebody that's three years into it and their challenges are now probably, you know, cash flow and scalability and, you know, all these other things. That person's like, okay, how the hell do I get from, you know, just over this next hurdle? And it'll be, it'll be great to just pair people up that are at that stage and and need help because it, there are so many good, good other organizations like, the city of Columbus, uh, the SBA, mm-hmm. you know, they offer great resources and we've reached out to them and you know, the person that they paired us up with or, you know, they were geared towards, uh, you know, somebody wanting to sell bologna sandwiches and how to figure out their cost for one bologna sandwich. And, and it's like, well, we're a little bit beyond, <laughs> beyond that. Like, but this is what we do need help with. And they're like, oh yeah, we, we don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, is there somebody in the organization that can, that or can, do you know another resource that I can exactly. go to? <laughs> you know, yeah. Just cause you can't solve my problem. Doesn't mean the problem yeah. doesn't still exist for me. Yeah. yeah. But it, and that's kind of, you know, the purpose of MFG monkey too, is to just interact with people and for people, if they have a challenge to reach out and say, Hey, we'd really like to hear about this topic. And we had somebody do that you know, just with sales and marketing is like, okay, we, you know, what are the top five things we could do for sales and marketing? Because I don't have a marketing budget and there are those things. And, you know, that's the more, you know, the more people that we have listening and the more uh, interaction that we have, I think that'll be even fun for us to, to be able to give back because then we can, you know, if somebody has a specific cybersecurity question, they can reach out to you. And if, and if it's a big enough topic then we're like okay well it's more than just an email answer right let's jump on and, and talk through that and add more value uh and that goes for everything from you know just 
for us welding stamping to business sense type things with the you know the IT and and security world so well, and I think that's why I, I I love what it is that you're doing here and what you what you're putting together, um, because you're 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 providing a conduit mm-hmm. for people to actually get resources and access to things that they normally wouldn't have access to. Sure, you know I can't go out and meet everybody, but whoever's listening to this podcast now knows, hey, there's some tricks that I can use to create some new some secure passwords. Sure, you know. Um, if you're in the government contracting space, hey, there's some cybersecurity stuff that you really need to be paying attention to yeah. because the mandates are changing. And so, you know, having access to now a resource that can actually help you with those things yeah. is is something that they normally wouldn't have access to. So that's well, the beauty it, of it. One of the topics that I, I think would be great is I heard somebody ask about the financing piece, which is very daunting and we just went through it. You know, we bought a new machine and brought it in here and somebody referred us to a lender and it didn't quite go the way that I thought it would. And it, there's, there's a whole story along that as well that, that I'll share with, with everyone when we do a finance piece. But I think that that would be really good to do uh, because it is going to be a challenge for vets and what they need to do to get financing if that's what they need to get to the next level and who to trust and who not to trust and things to look for and things to do and not to do you know when you are trying to get financing i just i learned a very hard lesson a couple weeks ago that probably cost me thirty five thousand dollars of cash Mm. and you know and i've done i've financed lots and lots of things and I, yeah, that's what your first you know, rodeo. Yeah. And I, and I went back and I looked at it. I'm like, what could I have done differently? And there's, you know, now hindsight's 2020, but I could have probably done many things differently and I will do many things differently going forward. Um, but it's, I think that that is a very interesting topic. Absolutely. Well, I mean, and, and to your point, you know, we all go through, I, I mean, there's no manual for running a business right. that says if you do this, then you're going to be successful. Right. You know, and we all go through those those hard knocks. You know, I was talking uh, to somebody the other day. I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, when I started my company, I invested so much money in things that I thought that I needed mm-hmm. that I should not have wasted my money on because it didn't do anything to move the needle. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and one of those was, you know, not understanding how to market and position my company. Mm-hmm. You know, I went and hired a marketing firm and just said, Hey, I've got a business. This is what I do. You go market it. And I paid them a boatload of money thinking, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, we'll build a website. We're going to do this, that, and the other. Yep. And the it was all cool looking stuff, but it wasn't stuff that I, there, there were no metrics on it because exactly. I, I couldn't track anything. It yeah. delivered a zero ROI. And I look back on it. It was like, well, no wonder it happened. I didn't know what to look for, you know? Right. So once I started to learn a little bit more, I was like, Oh, I should have asked this question. Cause these guys clearly didn't know what they were doing, but mm-hmm. they sounded good. And so they, right. and they knew more than I knew. So I yeah. just went that direction and said, Hey, you take it and run with it. I didn't have enough knowledge to be able to hold them accountable. And that right. was a challenge, you know, but once again, expensive lesson to learn. Yeah. But now I look at everything that way. It's like, all right, I need to know, I don't need to be super proficient at it, but I need to know enough to realize that either A, you're doing a good job or B, you're full of shit and I need to, <laughs> I need to go in another direction. Yeah. And, and that's part of why I broke MFG Monkey out into its own manufacturing 
sister company is because I've been down that road with so many marketing companies myself, either for myself that the money was mine or for a company that I, that I uh, was in charge of the marketing aspect where you're right. Like the marketers, there's not many marketers. If there's very, very, very few marketers out there that only concentrate on manufacturing. Right. So the manufacturers now have to teach Mr. Marketer what manufacturing is and the keywords and the thing and the lingo and you know, what is a lathe? What is a CNC? What is a stamping press? And, and they just don't, the marketer doesn't get it. And, and as I thought about it and, you know, a year ago we launched the podcast and then, you know, with what we do with, um, with our repping, more and more people started saying, Oh, well, you're, you know, you're doing this, just go ahead and do our marketing too. It's like, well, it's a little more than right. just go ahead and do our marketing too. <laughs> so it's that's when we thought, well, let's just break it off and, you know, tiptoe into it and but it's it's that exact for that exact reason is you're good at doing what you're doing and then you entrust in a marketing pro marketing firm to market you and then you get done and you're like, Well, I just spent fifty thousand dollars or whatever it was, I should have had some kind of ROI. Yeah, and you've got nothing. And you got nothing but a cup, some invoices that you're bitter about paying. Right. And you're like, okay. And then, well, and I would say the other challenge that I that I saw that I experienced through that whole thing was, um, you know, when I looked to replace them uh, and to find somebody else, and this is what led me down the path of AJ. You need to learn this stuff yourself so mm-hmm. that you at least know what you're looking at because some of the numbers that people were throwing out of. You know, hey, if you're not doing at least twenty five thousand dollars a month in ad spend, and we can't work with you. I'm like, fuck, I don't have four hundred grand to just sit up here and, and, and do marketing. Right, <laughs> that's not an option. Right, so I'm like, well, why are they charging so much? So that's why I started going into it. But what I found was that a lot of marketers, you know, IT is, is in the same boat as manufacturing. You know, there's not a lot of marketers that really understand technology because you have to, one, you have to know what you're talking about because if you put something stupid out there, my industry will call you on it quicker than anything else. Oh, sure. So you have to make sure it's factual. You have to make sure that you know what you're talking about. But a lot of the marketing firms I came across tried to fit me in this box. Yeah. It was like, hey, we're going to do this for you. Well, that's great. It might work for this industry, but are right. you sure that's going to work for mine? Because I don't think that my clients resonate with that. Right. And, you know... I would say for anybody that's talking to a manufacturer or talking to a marketing company, don't be scared to push back because sure. if it doesn't make sense, if it doesn't feel right, there's usually a reason why it doesn't feel right to you. Follow your gut, man. Yeah. Ask the question. If nothing else, make them clarify why they're doing it and, and substantiate yeah. it. Because, you know, I, once again, another lesson learned. That's why I, that's yeah. how I wasted money. Well, and, and if the company that you're talking to, uh, gets defensive or upset because you're asking the question. You're working with the wrong. That's company. a telltale sign too. And yeah. Tyler and I talk about this with uh, even attorneys. You know, if if a group's not willing to sit down with you and spend an hour or two hours and go through what your needs are and and create a custom package for you that works for you, or even to give you some ideas, it's probably the wrong company to work with. Or if nothing else, if you're not willing to sit down and go through it with you to make sure that you're 100% comfortable, yeah. then this probably is the wrong right. company yeah, for you. There's a reason, <laughs> for sure. So, and I'm and I'm sure it's the same, you know, same thing in your world. You know, it's it's there's probably so many 
uh, cybersecurity companies out there that just try and force you into this package where this is this is it. This is what we have. Well, and, and oddly enough, so we're in a unique spot because all we do is cybersecurity. Uh, we are strictly a security play, and there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have no intentions of growing into an IT support company right? Um, because we understand that the reason why data breaches happen and they go undetected for, on, on average, the average data breach goes undetected for almost seven months. Wow. So think about that. For seven months, somebody has access to your systems to pull out anything that they can monetize because there's there's two two approaches or two two objectives in every cyber attack. One, what can I monetize? So I'm going through your systems, looking for anything I can take out, exfiltrate, monetize. Mm-hmm. Then two, I'm going to use your systems to launch more attacks. Bro. So I'm wow. gonna I'm either gonna use your servers and store my dirty porn on there because we've come across that where uh, a company had a, a server and on their server a, a criminal had compromised it and there was child pornography on it. They had Holy no idea no. existed, but the the criminal was using their server to hold to house all of their their child pornography and then was streaming it out through torrents and everything else like that. So once again, oh my God, I would lose my mind. <laughs> Well, and it's one of those things of you just don't know what you yeah. don't know. And and that's why I tell people you're not a target. You're a crime of opportunity, but but don't think that you don't have anything of value. If they can't if they can't steal your identity, your financials, your intellectual property, you've got something worth protecting that they're gonna try to monetize. But even let's say you don't have anything, they're gonna use your systems to launch more attacks. That's crazy. And I think one of my biggest fears is just the whole um holding your information ransom ransom yeah like the whole ransomware scares the ever-living hell out of me yeah because that's such a i mean because it's so profitable i mean cybercrime is a multi-trillion dollar industry in 2019 it did 1.5 trillion 1.5 trillion dollars in cybercrime wow and that's from ip theft that's from paying ransoms you name it, $1.5 trillion globally is what it was. That's incredible. It, it just blows my mind, especially whenever, you know, if you create the correct atmosphere and teach people how to, you know, put security over convenience first and just take an extra half a second before you click on something or do something, then we can minimize most of those because 95% of all data breaches happen because of human error. You know, we get into a rush. We click on this. We do something. We we did something that we probably shouldn't have done, and then now we've compromised the systems, and that's what usually happens. Well, if, if somebody wants to, we I know that you left your email for Bunker Labs. Yeah. But you, what's what is your email? How do they get in touch with you um, for Simple I, Plan IT? Yeah, uh, check out the website simpleplanit.com, um, and then my my email address. Uh, it's just A O R R, so A or at simpleplanit.com. Okay, and awesome. I'll make sure that you have that. Um, yeah, drop me a line, shoot me an email, um, and any question. I don't care how simple or stupid you think it may sound. To me, there's no there's no such thing as a dumb question sure. because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, no, and I and I think that that's where a lot of people may get themselves into trouble. Is like, oh God, this is. Yeah. This feels dumb. Well, and but, I, I get a lot of that. They're yeah. like, well, I was going to ask you, but I thought you'd make me feel dumb. Dude, there's no such thing as a dumb right. question because you've got an area of genius. Whatever it is that you do, exactly. I don't know anything about it. Yeah. I was like, so I could ask a basic question. It's because I don't know it, but I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable enough to realize that I don't know. So I don't, I don't make people feel bad for the things that they don't know. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I can't believe we've been talking for over an hour. Already. No, this has been fun, man. Yeah. 
new Lou digs and I like a little it. bit of background noise, but I think overall the uh, the, the sound quality is going to be be way better. All so. your other podcasts are going to miss the background noise. See, it's not it's not authentic. Yeah, we'll do these after five p.m. now. Well, or, <laughs> or, or not schedule the concrete guy on the day of a podcast. You'll have to loop in that background noise just so that people are like, oh yeah, now now it's the MFG monkey. It, right. it was too quiet before. <laughs> That's too pristine. It's not. These guys aren't manufacturing for real. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, thanks again for coming on. If any social media out there, you can do hashtag MFG Monkey and find just about everything that we have. We'll put contact information on the description and on our posts and everything so you can get a hold of AJ directly or Bunker Labs. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for this episode of MFG Monkey. If you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes, please email them to us at info at mfgmonkey.com.